God bless you tonight. I, I'm not the preacher. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the preacher. Though I thought about it, but I'm not. I'm not. Not yet, but I will. I will. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. And uh, Brother Hilton has so graciously agreed tonight to help me out. And, um, so I want him to come. And uh, love this young man very much. And um, really, almost not even a young man anymore. We're going to have to quit calling him that. He's, he's about to get old. He's, you know, the first, I think the first over the hill party anybody ever gave me is when I turned 30. Can you believe that? I don't know how many over the hill parties I've had in my life. I've been over so many hills. I guess as long as I keep going over them and nobody puts me under one, I'm okay. But, but, but honestly, they did. They did. When I was pastor in South Texas. They gave me an over-the-hill party when I turned 30. So he's, he's, he's about to top that hill just another year and a half or so. have to quit calling him a young man sometimes it's hard you know you 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 elders understand you watch somebody grow up in your mind they're still what they were 25 years ago he was three years old when I got here didn't know his head well that was my fault but it we'd, we'll talk about that later but anyhow you finally figured it out. Finally figured it out. But anyhow, um, oh, I do appreciate him very much. And um, in fact, in fact, he is—he's more than just a young preacher. But, but uh, three years ago, he was ordained, ordained minister of the gospel. And and there really is to me. Now, I, I'm not talking about what an organization does, but I believe when good elders come together and recognize man's ministry it really does mean something it does carry some significance and and this is an ordained minister of the gospel and he and brother Goff both have been ordained and um, it really does put a special touch on their I'm looking forward to the word of the Lord tonight, Brother Hilton. I really am. And uh, I believe God's talked to you, and I want you to obey the Holy Ghost tonight. And I'm going to do my best to be behind you and back you up tonight so you just preach what you feel. Come and take your liberty. Amen. Preach to me tonight. Praise the Lord, church. I mean, you're glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I mean, you can be seated for a moment. Amen. I want to say thank you to Pastor for his um, confidence, requesting me to help him tonight. You said that you were going to do your best to try to help, and um, I appreciate that. But I um, just was going to let you know that you can take it easy. Now, I, I this was not a not a uh, one of those 
cheap car sales tricks that pastor pulled on me. He didn't say, I'm coming, I mean, I'm going to be the preacher tonight, and the pastor being the preacher tonight, and then you got here, and you ended up with Jared, although it might seem like that. It might seem like that, but I promise you, I don't think that was his intention. And um, and uh, anyway, so Pastor, you could just uh, take it easy. I'm going to look to this church family and see if they can help me out a little bit tonight. Hey, Amen. I, I really feel like the Lord put something on my heart um, very strongly this morning, although it has been something that I've been studying and reading about for the past couple of weeks and not really formalize anything, put anything together until late this afternoon. Didn't get off work until about four, which is why uh, it took me so long to get up here, and I apologize for that. Amen. Um, but I, So I'm right there with you. I know what where you're sitting. I know how you're feeling right now. It's kind of like Tuesday night. What are we going to do? If we're going to do it, let's get it done. And because uh, I got stuff to do. Amen. And I really do feel like the Lord has something to do here tonight. And um, if you will help me, can, can I count on you tonight? Because this is, the uh, pastor said it many, many times, preaching is not a one-man show. And I'm not trying to hype anything up. I just, I just uh, know I rely heavily on you. And I've been praying for you this afternoon. I hope you pray for me because I certainly need the prayer. Amen. And so uh, I want to um, appeal to you, would you please help me tonight? Amen. Can we love the Lord? Why don't we all stand together and just love the Lord for a moment? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship your holy name. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness, your mercy towards us. Hallelujah. That's it, church. Can we love him for a moment? Jesus, we worship you. God, we are eager to know more of you. We desire your presence. We desire your glory. We desire your will, God, and your anointing, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let your word have free course in this house tonight, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for standing. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, can you open to the book of Romans? Turn to chapter 11, and we'll read gave you a little break there, sit down, because we've got, I'm going to catch you up on your Bible reading tonight, <laughs> just kidding, just 15 verses of scripture, and um, we'll try to, I figured that if you're standing, it might get your attention a little bit more on what you're reading than if you're sitting, maybe, I don't know, we'll, we'll try it out tonight and see if that helps, Romans chapter 11 verses 1 through 15 says, I say then, Hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Wot ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh. Before I go any further, I want you to notice that God hath not cast away his people. Everybody say his people. God's not going to cast away his people. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. 
But what saith, the, what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time also there is a remnant. According to the election, or that is the chosen of grace, the ones that are chosen by God's saving grace. Verse 6, and if by grace, that is, that, uh, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. And the rest were blinded. I want to tell you right here, the Apostle Paul was telling the Roman church that what Israel was seeking for all of those years, those who were elected by grace, hath obtained that very thing. And the rest were blinded. Verse 8, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. Unto this day, and David saith, let uh, David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. And I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, I want you to notice again, he's saying as the people of God, have they fallen away, the original ones, the ones who are seeking but could never obtain, have they fallen? And he says, no, God forbid, but rather through their full salvation is come unto, uh, sorry, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now it is now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness or how much more their filling up. Amen. How much more the filling up of these chosen people of God. Verse 13, for I speak to rich uh, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. For if, by, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost already. Amen. If you will ride with me for a little bit tonight, I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, I want to talk to you tonight about this subject, that it's not too late. Hallelujah, I said it's not too late. Can we lay down our Bibles and ask the Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to receive his precious word. Thank you, God. Oh, come on, that's it, church. Lift your voices and ask the Lord to speak to you tonight. God, I need your touch. I need your anointing, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Hallelujah. What exactly is revival? Amen. It, it, uh, this last phrase that we just read, but life from the dead. I couldn't find a better 
definition of that term, revival. Amen. But in order to be revived, one must certainly become dead in the first place. If, if you want to come back to life, you must first uh, be dead. And it's true of the early church of modern Pentecost in the early 1900s. In order for them to have the revival that, that we talk about so frequently in Pentecostal churches around the nation. Amen. First, there was a group of people that sought out through repentance, amen, a death of their own flesh. Amen. And when they finally arrived, amen, at that death and crucifixion of their own flesh, amen, what was around the corner was apostolic, holy ghost, Bible-filled revival. Hallelujah. And I want to tell the truth, church of Olathe, Kansas, uh, that if you want to see revival, and I have no doubt uh, that we're in the midst, uh, if, if, if we're not uh, knocking on the door, we're walking through uh, revival. We're obtaining victory and liberty in almost every service. And I want to tell you tonight that if you personally want to experience revival, amen, of those that are around you, amen, you've got to find that place uh, of repentance. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to talk to you tonight about the fact that it is not too late. Apostle Paul was writing to a Roman church. Amen. This church that was just created in the New Testament. Amen. Was already experiencing amen, some of the characteristics that the Israelites carried over from years and years of their what they called serving God. Amen. And they thought that their works and their deeds and the things that they brought to an altar. Amen. And their ceremonies and the things that they could do uh, would achieve, uh, amen, the, the, the thing that they were seeking for. But Apostle Paul made it very clear in Romans 9 and Romans 10, uh, amen, that, that they never attained that righteousness that they were seeking after. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That through their works and through their deeds, it's never enough. I mean, Isaiah told us that our works, I mean, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. in order to obtain the righteousness that we're seeking after, we need to have faith in what God is telling us. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you bear with me for just a moment? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not coming, amen, to preach necessarily to any one individual. I've come to preach to the truth church tonight. I've come to preach to myself. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Apostle. Paul, amen, just give you hopefully a snippet of where we're going. Apostle Paul told us in our uh, text, our passage that we used for our text tonight, amen, that he, he told them that, that uh, if the riches of the world would come, amen, as a result of, of, uh, of the uh, diminishing of the, the, the Israelites, of the putting away of those Israelites, uh, how much more, what is God going to do when he restores those same individuals? Hallelujah. It sounds to me, Brother Goff, like the Apostle Paul was telling the Roman church that it's not too late for those Israelite brothers and sisters. It's not too late, amen, even for the ones who've tried year after year, amen, and decade after decade and century after century. It was not too late. 
Hallelujah. Amen. But they weren't going to get it on their own terms. What they needed to do is find that place that Apostle Paul was talking to the Romans about. Amen. They needed the grace of the saving God who came and spilt his own blood to replace every sacrifice that was given throughout the Old Testament. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a precious lamb. Amen. Way more clean, way more spotless. Amen. Whose blood flows more pure and holy than any lamb that anyone can offer. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, church, amen, that the offerings and the sacrifices that you bring to God, amen, those are things and those are beautiful and God seeks for them. But it's got to be something more than just actions and sacrifices and these offerings. But you got to mix that with faith. You can't just do it, amen, because pastor told you to. And you can't just t- talk about it with your co-workers because you know pastor's going to ask you on Sunday. But you got to believe. I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you that it's not too late for the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas to see revival. I feel the Holy Ghost. I wish I could preach it like I'm feeling it tonight. I wish I could express to you, amen, the burden that's burning on the inside. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, amen, in prayer this morning, God gave me specific individuals in this building right now, hallelujah, that he told me, amen, that it's not too late. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to put a hold on that just for a moment. Amen. I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Amen. But if you'll ride with me, I believe the Holy Ghost is going to help us tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King David and his mighty men. Amen. We refer to them and we talk about the glory that they had. Hallelujah. Read 2 Samuel, I believe it is chapter uh, 23, if I remember correctly. I mean, you can see the stories after story of these mighty men and the glory that they had on the battlefield. Hallelujah. After they, after King David had been in a kingship for, for some, I believe it was 40 years, I mean, if I remember correctly. Amen. But it didn't just happen, Pastor. Wasn't just one day David woke up, I'm going to be the king of Israel. And those mighty men that were right there behind, beside him, in fact, three of those chief uh, mighty men, the chief mighty men that were with him, were there with him since the day he was kicked out of the palace. <clears throat> Amen. Apo- uh, apostle. King David, before he was ever King David, was little shepherd boy David. Hallelujah. And even after the prophet of God came to him and said, you're going to be the next king. I mean, it was 15 years between that day and then the time, about approximately 15 years. I mean, from the time that he was anointed to be king until the time that he actually became king. Amen. And I want to ask you a question. Did that anointing ever fade? Because of time, did the anointing ever fall away? I mean, the Bible tells us that the calling of God is without repentance. 
Amen. That, that if God had chosen this young man to be the next king, I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't care what anybody had on their agenda, what their plan was, what they were seeking to do in their own life and in the lives of others. They could not thwart what God was planning to do. Because God put that anointing on him. Hallelujah. But I would imagine that by year, I don't know, let's say two or three, Maybe while well, I don't know, I don't know the timeline, so I'm just gonna use creative liberty here. But David walks into the the king's palace and he's asked to play for him to calm his nerves, to calm those spirits that were there. And the Lord used him, and perhaps Brother Nelson, it was this in David's mind when he sat there and played before the king so skillfully. Oh. Look who's recognized me. I, I'm, I'm stepping on up. Look, I'm in the king's palace. This must be the Lord's plan. This must be exactly what God was planning. But little did he know that, that after he slays the giant of Goliath, or, or after those people really, to be more accurate, the ones who begin to sing songs about him and to tell of his victories and glory, that King Saul would become jealous of him. And start throwing javelins at him. And then over time, amen, the relationship would become so strained, amen, that he would have to leave his very best friend and go out on the countryside and run for his life because the king was running after him. I doubt David ever thought that was in the plans. I doubt David, let's say, long about year number five, he's like, well, okay, this was not what, was, what we were planning on doing. I thought I was the next king. I thought this was, I thought we were going somewhere. And now I'm way back here in the woods and nobody knows my name. In fact, I'm the enemy. I'm the one that everybody hates. In fact, the king's army is running after me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then maybe after that year rolls over, he's like, well, maybe it's this year. Maybe this year things will turn around. And I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but somehow God's going to do it. I believe God's word. I believe God changed. God put that anointing on me. And, and so, therefore, later at some point, somehow God is going to do this. Hallelujah. And then year number seven, year number eight, 10, 12, 13, 14. And then finally, we hit 15. We know the story, how the people of Israel come there. But I want, I want you to understand what took place during the time. First Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 through 2. David, David therefore departed thence. When he left the kingdom, when he ran out of the king's palace, he depart, departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, when daddy and his brothers heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt, everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with them about 400 men. And he's sitting in the caves of Adullam thinking, uh, I thought I was supposed to be the king, not a captain. I thought I was supposed to be the king over a nation, not a captain over 400 people. What's the deal? What's going on here? But I want, that, uh, I want you to notice what actually took place. You, I'm not going to take the time, but you can read through chapter 22, 1 Samuel, 
Amen. Where Ahimelech was called before the king, and the king said, what did you do, Ahimelech? And he said, I gave the sword of Goliath, and I gave bread to David. And he said, I'm going to slay you, and nobody would do it. And Doeg came in and killed, amen, the priests. And Ahimelech's son, I think it's Abiathar, ran out of there and went to David and said, guess what just happened? The one that gave you the sword, the one that gave you the bread, he's dead. And David said, I knew that was going to happen. And he said, uh, in verse, if you read, he said, the day I saw Doeg, I, I knew that was going to happen. And then verse 23, notice what he said. Abide thou with me, talking to Abiathar. He said, abide thou with me and fear not. Don't worry about it. For he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life. But with me thou shalt be in safeguard. Uh, David was trying to tell Abiathar, I know where you're at. Because I've been running on these hills for so long. I, I know where you're at, buddy. I, I know the feeling. Why don't you just join uh, our crowd here and we're, gonna, we're just going to do our thing. We're going to have revival, if you will. And I want to tell somebody. I, 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 the reason I relayed that story is because I want to tell the true church. Pastor, it amazes me how God orchestrated this church over the past few years. Uh, amen. There are souls, uh, amen, that people might look from the outside and look in here and say, well, they might not think too much of that person or this person. Amen. They, don't, they look at old Jared and they, they don't think a lot about that old boy. Look at him. Uh, amen. He thought he was going so and this happened and this happened and so on and so on and so this is and pastor we ended up in this cave of a doulum hallelujah I, I feel the holy ghost I, you're, i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do what i feel here tonight and because my pastor told me i could so i'm going to now if i get a line i know he's gonna correct me so that's why i'm not really too worried Trying to pull some of those Brother Nelson things. <laughs> Got to use that Nelson anointing, that Nelson anointing. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm not that funny. All right. Hallelujah. Amen. But we, uh, we've all come to this city, this, this place, and, and to me again, and Pastor, and what... What is interesting, probably most interesting to me, is before, and I'm thinking maybe it was probably five years ago, may have been more than that. But as a young preacher, pastor told me, he's like, God is going to send us pillars into this church, and they're going to already be paying, paying tithes, they're going to already be established and settled saints, they're not going to be people that we're going to add to ground in the truth. And I'm watching that unfold before my very eyes. And to me, this cave is looking better all the time. I mean, I'm looking around and I see what people call those that are in debt. Those people uh, that outside, they call the ones that, that, that uh, just uh, to use the scriptural uh, people, that, that they went down hither, thither. They were the ones that were in distress. They were the ones that were in debt. Everyone that was discontented. And they, these were the people that gathered themselves to David. They gathered themselves to this man because, because he had something going on over here at Adulam. So, for whatever that's worth, take it. Seven bucks. Get you some coffee um, at Scooters. I said Scooters because y'all are thinking Starbucks. So, anyway, um, 
I just want you to know that there's something going on here in the cave of Adullam. There's something changing in the cave of Adullam that God is not going to just let us stay in the cave of Adullam. Hallelujah. My, my, my. I, I want you to know, children of God, amen, that those that are in distress, amen, those that might be in debt, and whether you want to take that literally, physically, or spiritually, or financially, however you want to take it, amen, that, that however it applies to you, that those, that those of us that are in this cave, amen, we've got one, amen, who can protect We've got a God, amen, that can deliver us. We have a God that can fulfill each promise he's ever made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And while those men who were nothing but distressed people, probably worry some people, people that were, you know, fretting about this and that. I'll never get ahead. I'll never, I'll never make anything of myself. I'll never accomplish what I set out to do when I was younger. I had such big dreams, ambitions, and plans, and now things are just thwarted because of life and circumstance. And now I'm here. I want to tell you, child of God, that it's not too late. It's not too late. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 13. Three of the thirty chief went down, came to David in the harvest time, unto the cave of Adullam. And we're talking about the next book now. And we're talking about years and years later, after uh, King David had been reigning in the kingdom that God had anointed him to be the king. And these three of the thirty, these were the chief men. These were men who went down and came to David in the harvest time in the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. They were the ones, Pastor, that met him right where he was the day he left the palace. Brother Josh, Brother Johnson would have said they, they rode with him for a while. They, they were the ones that would ride the river with. That's how he would say it. They, ride the river with. They rode, they rode the river with David for a long while. For those 15 years were they there. Just whatever we got to do. Let's go. Let's do it. And what happened was on the day that, and we could read it, 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm not going to tell you the time. Amen. But the Israelites, uh, amen, anointed him. The elders of Israel finally truly anointed him and recognized him as their king. And became the king of Israel. And I want, you to t- I want to tell you that Adino, the Esnite, and Eleazar, the Ahohite, and Shama, the Herarite, were there that day and became chief mighty men of David. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I don't want to, it's 8.50, holy cow, it's almost 9 o'clock. Let's hurry this up. Um. I don't want, I've got, another, we could talk about how uh, these men probably got to a point. 15 years is a long time. When you're going from this point to this point, and, and why are we following David? It doesn't seem like we're ever going to get anywhere. It doesn't feel like we're ever going to get to where we're supposed to be going. 
maybe they arrived at the conclusion that this is just not going to happen. And maybe there was other men that were there in the Dulem that rode with him and for certain ways and then just kind of got off the bandwagon and went their own way. But there were three men there that day that stayed with him the entire time. And God wrought wonderful glory. You can read through it uh, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 23 about uh, those individuals, individuals, how God used them to bring victory for the nation of Israel. But I, I'm not here to talk, talk about those people. I, I don't want you to uh, misfocus what I'm trying to say. These people were, this was sort of a side benefit. This was sort of a side, uh, this was a benefit for them because they were following the one that God had put, put them under. And God brought this man who was anointed to be the king of Israel into the nation of Israel to be the king. And, and it, was, it never was too late. I'm sorry. I'm trying, I'm trying to find uh, where I'm trying to go here just for a moment. But they're, they're, the devil will take uh, individual situations. And like I said, 15 years is a long time. I feel kind of like Joe Biden right now. I keep repeating what I'm saying. Lord have mercy. I'm trying, Pastor. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> anyway, um, 15 years is a long time, and a lot of times during those situ- during those long years, certainly those men probably could have focused on situations and personal problems and situations that would come up during those times naturally, and. That could have prevented what ultimately was the plan. What ultimately where God wanted to take them. I mean, there's a, another story I'm not going to take the time to go through, but I'll recount for you briefly where, where uh, Daniel and the people uh, of Judah, they were taken from that nation into Babylon, and, they, and, and Daniel found a place to pray and asked God, I want, we, need, we need to change this situation. And Daniel never saw the answer to his prayer directly. But after years and years, after God had prom- uh, told them that they would, they would have to uh, serve under bondage and uh, during this time because of judgment, because they weren't yielding to the will of God, the plan of God, the word of God, that, um, that after some time they, they were able to come out of Babylon, out of bondage, and come back to Jerusalem and reestablish the foundation of the temple. And it was never too late. Amen. No matter how long, after years and years of staying in bondage, after years and years of being bound by the enemy, after years and years of being put under these constraints, these physical uh, and literal constraints, amen, they never, it was never too late for God to fulfill his promise for them. Hallelujah. And in prayer this morning, there was such a wonderful presence of the Lord in this service this morning, prayer meeting this morning. And um, I guess I'm closing. This will be my closure. There were, I, I mentioned this earlier, and I, I, I don't think I'm going to identify anything or anyone, because I, I just don't, I, I, I don't feel like I need to do that. But there are folks here whose father once had this heritage, this apostolic heritage. 
And I want to tell you that it's not too late. There are folks here who have ministries. And I want to tell you it's not too late to make full proof of your ministry. I want to tell some folks who have children not living for God. That your pre- pre- it's not too late for your precious children to come back to an apostolic church. I want to tell those of you who have a burden for revival and care, have cared for this church physically, have mowed the grass, painted the walls, laid the carpet. Those of you, I want to tell you that it's not too late to have revival in this place that you love. I want to tell Sister Regan, I want to tell you that it is not too late for your children and your children's children to come back to the house of the Lord. And pastor, I want to tell you that it is not too late for God to fulfill the promises that he's made to you concerning this church. Truth Church, we are on the brink of revival. And for some of us, whether locally or in our own individual situations, you may not have been here for a long time, but perhaps you've been seeking for revival in your own life for a long time. If you will find your place under David, if you, would find, if you can find your place under the shepherd of this precious flock, I want to tell you it's not too late. God used David as a shepherd to those men who had come, who were distressed, who were in debt, who had situations, real life struggles, real life problems that they couldn't fix. And, and musicians, please come whenever you're ready. But because they found a place where God had put them, it might have looked weird from the outside, but on the inside, Brother Jaheim, they were, they were having revival. They were able to go and conquer the enemies of God's people for God's people. They were able to obtain victory amen, for a nation that wasn't even their own. And in conclusion, I want to tell this church that if, if God will have mercy on Israel, like we read in our text, after years and years of serving God in a literal sense, through ceremonies, sacrifices, to some of them, you could read through the Old Testament and see situations where they truly did believe in what they are doing. What kind of riches, what kind of glory could, will the church see when those who have a full understanding? We, it's, it, let, me, let me put that aside for a second and just say this. It's easy. We, we can get to the same place in our walk with God where we're just doing it. 
We're just going through the motions. We're doing things because we know that's what we need to do. But it's, I want to tell you that it's not too late to fully commit, to fully make up your mind that this is more than just activity. This is more than just action. But I really believe in what I'm doing. I really want to act on faith. I really believe that Jesus came and, and died on a cross, spilt his precious blood for the souls of the city of Olathe, for my coworkers, for my friends. Church, it is not too late. It's not too late for you to pick up a burden. It's not too late for you to pray a prayer that will bring somebody's life to a decision point. It is not too late for you to teach a Bible study. It's not too late for you to, to, to push away the plate and not just from, uh, from a ceremonial perspective, not from just, a, just because I have to kind of attitude, but because I believe that at the end of this, I'm going to see the answer that I'm praying for. To the sinner and the, the lost soul, it's not too late for you to put down that pack of cigarettes. It's not too late for those in this lost and dying world to put away an addiction to drugs and alcohol. It is not too late. We're still experiencing an apostolic move of the Holy Ghost at the Truth Church. And I want to tell you that it's not too late. Come on, can we all stand tonight? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. It's those who think it's too late who give it up. It's those who think uh, that their efforts are in vain who never put forth another effort. It's those uh, that feel like their, their shoulder on the plow is making no progress whatsoever that put, put it aside altogether. But I want to tell you that it is not too late. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If God's made you a personal promise, if I were you, I would be claiming that right now. If God's spoken to you in your lifetime at any point, I would hold that before the Lord one more time and say, God, it's not too late. I believe this, God. I trust you, God. Child of God, you're in this church for a reason. God wants to use you to bring revival. Hallelujah. I'm in this church for a reason. I want to do everything that I can to see revival in this youth group. I want to do everything that I can. Young people, don't you think, amen, just because you're 14 or 15 or 16 or 17 that it's too late. You're just getting started. Amen. You ought to put your prayer life together. You ought to find a Bible and read it. You ought to start sacrificing yourself because it's not too late. There will come a day that is too late when that is Eastern sky splits. Amen. And time is no more. Then and only then will it be too late. But right now, it's not too late. He can't show you.